Welcome to episode two of the Thrift Store Bookworm podcast, where I acquire books from thrift stores or by recommendation from listeners or friends, and spend a bit of time discussing the impressions I have while I'm reading them, and the quality of every literary device that I find reasonably impressionable in the story. My name is Tanner Tate, and I am the host of this show. This week I'm going to be reviewing a book called Icefall, which is by the author Michael Edelson. And it's a pretty good book. I actually didn't find this book uh, how I usually find books in thrift stores or by recommendation from friends. I actually found this, weirdly enough, by social media. They're doing this weird campaign. There's this new campaign thing, campaigning device or, or a social media marketing device, if you will, um, where people use Instagram stories as advertisements. So while, you're, while I was clicking through Insta- some of my friends' Instagram stories, I try not to spend too much time on the platform, but I was... Um, in between several stories, there were sponsored ads for books. It's happened several times, and this one caught my eye. Now, it didn't really jump out at me when I first saw the picture or, 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 its, or its cover, but there was a synopsis that, was, that could be found on the back when I clicked on the link to the book. Um, and it reads, It started with tremors, aftershocks of an event that no one was left to report on. Then the snow came, slow and steady, and it didn't stop. Day by day, inch by inch, everything disappeared beneath a crushing mask so deep that only the tops of the tallest trees saw daylight. Saved by some fluke of elevation or wind patterns, Peter's cabin was spared while the rest of the world drowned beneath an ocean of solid water. Or so he thought. Driven to the brink of insanity by terrible isolation, he survives long enough to see the skies clear and the sun return, and as the snow melted... It revealed an almost alien world, a barely recognizable landscape littered with the remnants of civilization. Together with a handful of survivors, Peter sets out to discover the cause of the event that had broken humanity's hold on the world, and to learn whether it could strike again. Now, of course, me being a total post-apocalypse dork, went nuts for this kind of thing and bought it it on the spot. It came a couple days later and I started reading it. Now, the story is set in in the modern day in a timeline relatively similar to our own, you know, adding a global cataclysm. Initially, we meet Peter, our our protagonist, living in a small cabin in the Appalachian Mountains. Peter could first be described by many as a bitter, hermetical old man, mid-forties, jaded to the world and wanting nothing more than just to be left alone. Initially, that's what he thinks of himself as well. Peter was a professor of English at a local community college, and months earlier, his wife had left him. He decided that the best way to cope was to traipse into the mountains and find the cabin he'd built for his now ex-wife. Then, whatever happened, happened, and now snow had been falling for several months with no sign of reprieve. Peter's aware that some great disaster has befallen the planet, but he isn't sure what. He's been trapped in this cabin. For all he knows, he's the last man alive altogether. Despite this, he simply goes about his day-to-day business of shoveling walkways, cooking dinner for himself, reading books, and throwing tennis balls up against the wall. Essentially, Peter is bored out of his mind in a constant state of stir-craze that borders on, as it says in the back of the book, insanity. He imagines the snow as his enemy as he works, thinking things like, and I'm taking this from the book, 
He sometimes felt like a soldier fighting an endless battle against a relentless horde of tiny white invaders. He was constantly clearing paths around the house so he could get to the shed, the woodpile, and the propane tanks. No matter how hard he worked, more always fell, covering his tracks as though consciously trying to wash away any trace of his, of his existence. If Peter believed in God, he would have imagined that the creator was starting over, erasing his canvas by painting a layer of white so thick that nothing would show through. All in all, Peter feels that his days are numbered, and he's, he's pretty aware of that. He's not going to last much longer like this. Eventually, his food is going to run out, and he'll just slip into a deep sleep. The only thing that keeps him sane is his vast collection of classical literature. And here, I got excited because I saw a glimpse of myself in Peter. In the basement of his cabin, he keeps a massive collection of classics he uses as an escapism tactic. I'm taking this from the book as well. The windowless utility room was the perfect place to escape from his reality by projecting it into fiction. He found inspiration in the words of Herman Mel Melville while fighting his own great white terror, and sailed a hauntingly familiar snowscape with Mary Shelley's tragic anti-hero. He also found solace in the works of the classical poet poets, thanks in part to an old professor who had asked Peter to cover some of his poetry classes due to failing health. And while he started out hating it, his appreciation, his appreciation had grown until he found himself reading and sometimes even reciting them on his own. Peter's living a pretty quiet life until one day he glances out the window to see a figure approaching his cabin, the first person he's seen since the snow started falling. Reasonably unsettled, he prepares for action, grabbing his rifle, but the figure passes out before reaching the home. Peter runs out into the snow, retrieves the body, and carries it back to the cabin where he finds it to be a young woman in her mid-twenties, extremely cautious. He searches her clothing and finds a concealed pistol, hmm, which he confiscates, understandably. She comes back to consciousness and informs him that her name is Penny. Both are extremely wary, and Peter's only concern, really, is the state of the outside world. What has befallen this planet? But she can't tell him anything that he doesn't already know. She doesn't know much more. Penny says that she was traveling with her friends when they were separated. The one she was with died along the journey, and she's the sole survivor. She starts to cry when she tells that story. Peter tells Peter, she doesn't actually tell the story, but she says that she's the sole survivor. She tells Peter that he doesn't understand how bad it is in the snow. And she begs him to let her stay with him for a while until she's well enough to continue on. Peter's empathy gets the best of him, and he agrees. Penny and Peter work on the cabin together, and Peter takes a liking to her. Despite this, he remains vigilantly cautious, locking the door to her room each night just to be sure. They share meals and swap stories, and Peter learns more of the world beyond his cabin. It's worse than he thought. Several weeks later, it suddenly stops snowing. Immediately after, three men show up at Peter's cabin, declaring that they've tracked a girl here. That girl had committed crimes, chief among these crimes being the crime of murder. Peter denies Penny's presence at the cabin, but she walks past the door as he says it. They see her. Peter says that he won't give her to them, and then a short gunfight ensues. 
resulting in three men lying in the snow, Peter and Penny not being any of them. Peter and Penny decide that it is time to leave the cabin, with Peter telling Penny that she has some explaining to do. As the duo depart in Peter's Jeep, he soon learns that Penny possesses a massive intellect, and her curiosity is as significant as his when it comes to the fate of the planet. He feels remarkably protective of her as they roll along, encountering some other survivors along the way before reaching the coastline, except it shouldn't be a coastline. They're in the Appalachians. With water this high, it would have sunk all of New York City, and and yet here it was. Not even all the melting of the polar ice caps would have created this kind of disaster. This raised more questions than answers. As Peter and Penny continue to search for the truth, they encounter a gang of marauders, they rescue several hostages, they pass through several small communities of other survivors where people you know, are pretty reluctant to talk to them, and they stay in a military encampment hoping to reestablish civilization, eventually finding their way to a research vessel called Archangel, led there by the dashing young Brad. Brad. The textbook leading man, Peter's arch nemesis, and his first impression was not all that gracious. I'm going to take this from the book. Brad just walks up. Peter hated him right away. He was tall, several inches over six feet, and not at all lanky. His shoulder-length blonde hair fell artfully around a face with high cheekbones and a strong nose. The worst thing about him were his eyes, brilliant green looking both intelligent and expressive. He carried a yellow fuel jug, presumably filled with diesel. Peter noticed Penny studying him as he approached. At this impression, Peter realizes that he hasn't just taken a liking to Penny, he's taken a liking to Penny. Automatically, he feels threatened by this guy, and in his post-divorce mind, this is really bad news. But Brad isn't really a bad guy. In fact, he's a pretty good guy, which makes the whole situation kind of frustrating. Brad leads the two to Archangel, which is that research vessel, where a group of scientists declare that they believe they know how to find the truth. Peter knows how to sail, so he offers to help, and together they all set out on an adventure filled with action, peril, blossoming romance, minor betrayal, and a quest to understand what has happened to destroy their home. The culprit being a bit more surprising than I expected. Of course, I won't tell you what it is. This all leads to a thunderous climax. I, I, I specifically say thunderous because it had me scrambling to get through the last 30 pages or so, needing to know how it ends. It was one of those books where I finally finished to look at the clock and realized that it was 3 o'clock in the morning. But... Those are my favorite reading experiences. The book is well-written and easy to understand, despite several dives into physics and other scientific fields, and even in these, the author has managed to word such things in a way that makes science comprehensible for your average college student. I'm referring to myself. The plot as a whole definitely needs a bit of imagination to believe, because the whole thing is a bit far-fetched, you know, global cataclysm, the whole earth is flooded, this is this is Old Testament stuff. But in an age where space wizards with laser swords fight for the upheaval of an intergalactic empire, and magic time-traveling superheroes team up to fight a big purple guy over a doom glove, I think anything is possible and nothing is too far-fetched.
The characters in the story are pretty likable. Each has their distinct human moment, and though the plot does stick with the classical hero and damsel in distress method of storytelling, Penny and Peter do have a special relationship from the start. Classic pretty boy, Be pretty boy Brad enters the enters seemingly just to throw a wrench in everything. I mean, at least that's Peter's perception, which the vast majority of the story is told from. Peter has a strong disdain for Brad, and I found myself resenting Peter for having such strong, negative feelings toward a guy who was really just trying to help. Though in the bouts of, these, of this juvenile pouting that Peter did on occasion, I understood the reactions of all the characters to an uncomfortable romantic situation, kind of a romantic triangle, though doing so was caused to re-examine my own methods of juvenile pouting when a girl I really like has feelings for another guy, taking me back to, like, fifth grade. <laughs> but that's a story for another time. What I realized is that resenting someone who is more attractive, more capable, and more successful at a younger age than you is a pretty common human attribute. While not productive, it's definitely normal, and some of Peter's characteristics are surprisingly resonant in an age of emotional disconnection as he copes with a divorce from his wife, even in the midst of a new love interest. Something I want to point out is that some people might prefer the story going something like, he was sad, and then he meets a girl, and then he forgot that he's sad, and he's happy because the girl's here. But that's not how real life goes. Trauma's a real thing, and Michael Edison, Michael Edelson, forgive me, has done a fine job of capturing the moments when trauma comes back to bite you and you have to find a way to deal with it on the fly. In terms of the overall tone of the book, I did enjoy the feeling of unease brought about by the travels. Apocalyptic events are certain to bring out the best in a lot of people, but also the worst in others. We definitely see both ends of the spectrum in this story, and, and Edelson keeps you on your toes every time Penny and Peter run into another group of survivors, because you, you just never know. There are definitely moments that aren't for the faint of heart. There is vicious combat with savage opponents. There, there is a scene of implied rape. Um, numerous instances of pretty strong profanity and even a bit of human experimentation. Like I said, best and worst of humanity. The world ended. What do we expect? I'm just going to finish and say that if you do encounter Icefall by Michael Edelson at a thrift store, give it a shot. I mean, it's not for everyone, but I did enjoy it, and I am more than happy to add it to my collection. Icefall by Michael Edelson. Well done, Mike. Thanks for tuning in to this second episode of the Thrift Store Bookworm. I'm still learning to do this whole thing. Um, my reviews are going to get better over time, but for the time being, I'm just having fun with it. Um, I'm going to be back next week or in two weeks, depending on the book, whatever book I find, and I will be reviewing it as I do in this podcast. Right now, we are on Spotify and Google Podcasts, along with one or two other smaller platforms. Hoping to get on Apple Podcasts pretty soon. But if you enjoy this show so far, um, please give the show a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It'll help us. Uh, it'll help us get a little bit higher, a little bit quicker, and I can help people get involved with these awesome stories that I find at these thrift stores that maybe no one has ever heard of. So, I won't waste a lot more of your time. Thanks for joining me today on this episode, and 
Enjoy the rest of your day for me.